Hey guys, what's up? Happy Friday and welcome back. Thanks so much for tuning in this week for another episode of the B-Music Reviews Podcast. I'm your host, Brandon Musica. As always, we're going to analyze, review, and discuss the latest news and dive into the past regarding movies, music, video games, and much, much more. If you don't already, be sure to follow us on Instagram, TikTok, and Twitter at B-Music Reviews. And tune into the B-Music Reviews Podcast each week on Spotify, Anchor, Google Podcasts, and all other streaming platforms. If you're watching on YouTube, we thank you so much for tuning in. Please be sure to like, subscribe, leave a comment below, and to hit the bell icon to receive notifications that informs you exactly when our podcast goes live, as well as all other video content. Also, be sure to visit our website at www.musicaprojects.com. There you will find all important links to our latest podcast episodes, new projects currently available, and also previews of those currently in development, along with our latest blog posts. If there's a question or a topic that you'd like us to discuss on the podcast, send them to bmusereviews at gmail.com with podcast question slash topic in the subject line. With all that out of the way, let's not waste any more time and get right to this week's news. Welcome everyone to the BMuse Reviews podcast. Alright, and topic number one today, Madam Web rumored plot details have been revealed. Now, I'm just going to start this off by saying take these rumors with a grain of salt, um, as there has been no official confirmation for these details about the plot. Uh, There's just complete speculation right now. However, it is heavily rumored, heavily rumored that the plot details of this film state that it will feature the villain of Madam Web traveling back in time with other villains gathered, grouped together, as they plot to kill Mary Parker, the mother of Peter Parker, in an attempt to ensure that Peter, Spider-Man, never exists. It is also rumored that a team of heroes will work together in their attempt to foil the villainous plans as well. This is exciting. To be honest, I was not sure what this movie was going to entail, what it's going to be about. And obviously these rumored, uh, these plot details are just rumors right now. Nothing is confirmed, but it definitely, definitely makes me much more interested in seeing the film and where they go with it. Knowing that it's going to be a period piece, as we discussed last week, it's going to take place likely in the 70s, 80s, sometime uh, around there. Um, that's going to be really interesting uh, aspect of the film as well so i'm i'm excited I'm, I'm intrigued by this the talent involved is definitely going to help propel the film and uh raise it to a higher standard so i'm excited to see what they do with this it's just rumored plot details right now but knowing that they have working possibly the idea of introducing mary parker and also Peter Parker's father in the story. I know you, in the past we've only gotten to see Uncle Ben and Aunt May, so the fact that we're going to possibly explore this or these characters and finally see them on screen 
it'll be interesting to see for sure also very very curious to see how this movie ultimately connects to the larger sony spider-verse at large i'm interested to see how it connects to all that venom one and two morbius unfortunately but uh craven's coming out as well very soon i think it's coming out in less than a less than a year i think it's coming out in the winter time if i'm not mistaken honestly we haven't seen anything for that movie yet um aaron taylor johnson who in bullet trains incredible we're going to talk about uh his role and uh, that movie a little bit later in the podcast but definitely looking forward to seeing aaron taylor johnson and in that role of craven and to see how what the sony spider-verse looks like it's coming to together pretty interestingly i mean some have been some hits with venom and some misses with like uh, morbius but will madam webb get it back on track that is the ultimate question and what will they give us those are uh, the big questions at large right now. So looking forward to seeing what it brings with Madam Web. and looking forward to seeing more uh, details as they are officially confirmed. And you will be the first to know. And we will talk about it here on the podcast. But uh, in the meantime, what are your thoughts? Are you excited for Madam Web? Are you interested in seeing the film? Do these rumored plot details make you more interested in seeing the film? If you're watching on YouTube, be sure to comment below and let us know your thoughts. And, and also be sure to write to us and let us know as well. Now, topic number two today, Cineworld and Regal Theaters file for bankruptcy. This comes to us from CBS News. The owner of Regal Cinemas confirmed Monday that it was considering filing for bankruptcy but promised business as usual as it tries to shore up its finances. British company Cineworld Group said in a statement that a voluntary Chapter 11 filing in the United States was one of the options it was reviewing in an attempt to reduce its debt burden. Meanwhile, Cineworld and Regal Theaters were open for business as usual, it added, and would remain so. Cineworld would expect to maintain its operations in the ordinary course until and following any filing and ultimately to continue its business over the longer term with no significant impact upon its employees, the company said in the statement issued in response to reports last week. All right, well... This comes to us from CBS, as I said, and it's interesting. We will look to see business as usual, but um, they're obviously just restructuring debt, and it'll be business as usual. The leadership of these companies clearly know what they're doing, and these are just procedural steps to follow in terms of their finances. So nothing too significant here, but definitely uh, interesting and wanted you guys to be aware of it. So if you have Regal Unlimited, uh, don't worry. Your, uh, your account and your funds and all that, it's all safe. All your Regal Crown Club points, they're all safe. So just keep, uh, you can keep on adding to them. Uh, Regal and Cineworld are going nowhere, according to leadership, and it is business as usual that they promise. So we will hold them to that. All right, and topic number three today, MoviePass is back. MoviePass has returned. It is official. MoviePass is officially going to make its return to audiences across the United States. Now this news comes to us from CNBC. When it relaunches, the subscribers to the new movie pass will have the option to sign up for different price tiers depending on where they live. The prices will range between $10, $20, and $30, though there is no indication of yet how many movies users will be able to see each month. Users will still receive a movie pass branded debit card in its new incarnation, the debit card will be black instead of red, 
CEO Stacy Spikes, who co-founded MoviePass in 2011, left the company after it was acquired by Helios and Matheson in 2017 and bought the company back last year, said in an email that users who get on the waitlist will each receive 10 friend invites that they will be able to use once they sign up for the service. For now, only those who get on the waitlist or receive an invite will be able to join MoviePass. It remains to be seen how popular the new MoviePass will become, but Spikes has ambitious plans for his service. In February, NBC News reported that Spikes said he wants MoviePass to be responsible for 30% of all ticket sales across the United States by 2030. Wow. All right. Well, that is certainly a goal. That would be a tremendous and astounding feat if they are able to accomplish that as an organization. Wow. Yeah, well, it's really interesting to see. I originally, when MoviePass was originally here a few years ago, um, I myself did not have MoviePass, so I completely missed out on the opportunity to uh, just see a bunch of movies every single day. Uh, that would have been a fantastic time, and I am very jealous of those who... I had that opportunity, but I'm very glad that you had that experience, and I'm curious to know what your experience was with MoviePass. Um, did you have MoviePass in the past? Are you going to look to create a new account with MoviePass or looking to uh, reactivate your old account? What are your thoughts? What are your plans? Be sure to let us know. This is really interesting. Uh, I myself was able to get on the wait list, and so that means that 10 friends will be able to get an invite. Maybe we'll have to look at uh, doing a BMUSE reviews contest to see how many of you will be able to get an invite. If we have some spots open, uh, which I'm sure that we will, uh, we'll have to look to uh, maybe two little BMUSE reviews podcast uh, extravaganza for the movie pass. We'll see. <laughs> we'll, we'll see what we can do. Yeah, this is exciting. I'm looking forward to seeing what this brings and how it's ultimately executed. I really hope this succeeds. This would be great and ultimately gets more people in the movies and gets people to share that experience together and fills the theaters. And yeah, I'm hoping that honestly it brings out a great opportunity for people to connect during the movies. It'd be great. And as the article stated, for now, only those who get on the waitlist or receive an email will be able to join MoviePass. So now that we got on the waitlist, we'll just have to sit back and wait for the show to begin. So... I'll be sure to keep you guys updated on anything that I hear about this, and I'm curious to know your experience with it. Like I said in the past, did you have MoviePass? Are you looking to have it in the future? Were you able to get on the wait list? Yeah, be sure to let us know. If you're watching on YouTube, be sure to comment below, and be sure to write to us and let us know your thoughts as always. All right, and topic number four today, the Lord of the Rings, the Rings of Power, will see first two episodes premiere early. Special two-episode premiere for the show. Cannot wait for this show. Super excited. Cannot wait. And this news comes to us from MSN. The show will screen its first two episodes at fan events across the world on August 31st, two days before it makes its streaming debut on Amazon Prime Video. Cinemark created a page for the one-night-only event with a note that tickets will become available on Monday at 9 a.m. Pacific time. The reservation also comes with a $10 snack voucher. The event is only available to Cinemark Movie Rewards members. The theater changed two-tiered loyalty program 
which includes a free subscription option. Outside of the US and Canada, Amazon will also screen the series in locations in the United Kingdom, Ireland, Argentina, Colombia, Australia, and New Zealand. Reports indicate that the fan event will unfold across roughly 200 locations globally. Amazon hopes to make a big splash with Rings of Power, which reportedly carries a production budget of more than $400 million and was described by Stuart Nash, New Zealand's Minister for Economic Development and Tourism, as, quote, the largest television series ever made, end quote. will debut both of the first two The Rings of Power episodes on September 2nd. Following the premiere, the series will switch to a one-episode-per-week release format, debuting its remaining six episodes on each subsequent Friday. I will tell you what, I cannot wait for this show. Cannot wait. The recent trailer wasn't a huge fan of, I will be honest. Anytime I think of Lord of the Rings, I honestly always think about the time when it first Lord of the Rings film had come out, The Fellowship of the Ring, and I remember seeing that in the theaters and returning a few years later to see The Two Towers and returning after that to see the epic conclusion in Return of the King. Man, you don't get to replicate those experiences. And I know that Regal is actually showing the Fellowship of the Ring in its RPX theaters, uh, where the locations have an RPX theater. They will be showing the Fellowship of the Ring on Monday, the 29th, and they will be showing Two Towers on the 30th, and Wednesday, the 31st, they will be showing Return of the King. And obviously here with uh, Cinemark advertising its one night only event for the first two episodes that they will be showing in theaters. So that is an epic, epic opportunity. And the Lord of the Rings is meant to be seen on the biggest screen. The epic world from Tolkien is just the gift that keeps on giving. And what Peter Jackson was able to do not only the Lord of the Rings films, but also the Hobbit films as well, the Hobbit trilogy. I went to go see the Battle of the Five Armies, I think three or four times, and it still just never gets old to me. Just the epicness of, the epicness, the fantasy elements, the the tragedy, the drama, the will of the characters, uh, the, the tremendous world building that takes place throughout all the stories and the character development and it's just the best of storytelling and i cannot wait to see this series i absolutely cannot wait to see this series and what it brings and what the story presents ultimately where where it fits into the lore that we already know so well and that we love so much definitely looking forward to seeing this series Uh, will you be seeing the lord of the rings movies at the rpx theaters at regal Uh, will you be seeing the cinemark one night only event featuring the first two episodes showing early. What's your anticipation level, your excitement level for this upcoming series? Obviously, it coming out at the same time as House of Dragon and each episode kind of uh, playing off each other each week. It's, uh, it's, a lot of, it's a lot of great stuff to look forward to in terms of content that we're receiving. So definitely wanting to know your thoughts and, uh, and how you feel about the upcoming The Lord of the Rings, The Rings of Power 
coming to Amazon Prime Video September 2nd. All right, and topic number five today, more Jurassic movies are in development. So this was something that I was actually not expecting um, to hear about or to talk about, to be honest. Recently, Bryce Dallas Howard was asked about the future of the franchise, the Jurassic franchise specifically, and she responded with the following, and I quote, It's very sad to say goodbye to something so wonderful, but also, I'm very excited for the folks that will carry the Jurassic saga forward, you know? It will be with a largely different cast and all of that, and that's something that is to be celebrated. I know as a fan what I want to see moving forward, and I hope it comes to fruition. I really do. End quote. Now, this is honestly really exciting to hear. It's, it's positive news. And to be honest, even though they advertised this past film, Jurassic World Dominion, as the epic conclusion to the story, and they brought back the legacy characters, introducing them with the the new cast, they definitely could have called this Jurassic World No Way Home or something. Like, they weren't fooling us. But the movie, regardless whether you love the movie, whether you just thought it was okay, whether you didn't like it at all, regardless of how you felt about the movie specifically, it was still insanely profitable. It didn't just make $500 million or $650 million, which is a, a crap ton of money in itself. But the movie made $970 million, just shy of a billion. This is, this, I mean, for all, all intents and purposes, this was a billion dollar film. And after hearing Bryce Dallas Howard saying this, not only that more Jurassic films will occur, she goes as far as to say, She's excited for the folks who will carry the Jurassic Saga forward, and it will be with a largely different cast. And she's right to say that it is something to be celebrated, but it also comes across as them knowing exactly what they're doing. I'm interested to see what this means and, and what it means for the Jurassic Saga, where we're going to go from here. Does it mean that a series will be heading to HBO Max or whatever HBO Max turns into in the future? Uh, will we see it on the big screen where obviously the Jurassic series belongs? But you could definitely do something with, with the world of streaming nowadays. Uh, with all the series getting introduced, I could definitely see them uh, doing some, something with streaming for sure uh, in terms of a limited series. Uh, we will have to wait and see. But what, do you, uh, what, what are your thoughts? Curious to know what you think. Did you like the re most recent Jurassic World Dominion film? Were you not a fan of it? What did you think of the newer films ultimately com compared to the original trilogy? I'm very curious to see what you think of this news as well. Also wanted to let you all know that Jurassic World Dominion is heading to streaming exclusively on Peacock and it will actually feature 14 additional minutes of deleted scenes including an alternative opening as well as additional bonus feature content which includes a making of featurette. Now, I gotta be honest, that's really cool too because 14 minutes isn't just like one scene. That's a, that's a significant amount of scenes uh, within 14 minutes. So I'm, I'm definitely looking forward to seeing that and as well as the alternative opening and any sort of bonus content that may be featured. I always love watching the making of featurettes and seeing the behind the scenes work that goes into making these films, especially these big budget blockbuster films that come out in the summertime. Like These are just monster uh, projects. So. I'm always curious to see uh, 
all the moving parts and what goes into making those uh, come to life. So definitely be sure to check out that content. Again, streaming exclusively on Peacock. And also let us know your thoughts on this news. Be sure to comment below if you're watching on YouTube. And as always, write into us and let us know your thoughts. All right, in topic number six today, Olivia Wilde's secret Marvel project. This news comes to us from Comic Book Movie, and they say, Talking to Variety, Wilde was asked about her mystery Marvel project, but refused to give anything away. She said, and I quote, That I can't say a word about. Yeah, no, I can't say anything about it. She continued and laughed, saying, I have to bury myself in the couch now. She also continued to say, I will say that I think the Marvel approach of allowing newer filmmakers to come into the fold and have access to those tools of the Marvel Universe is incredibly exciting. I am a big fan of what they're doing over there. But yeah, I can't confirm whether that is what that is, but that would be cool. End quote. Well, a lot of people have said, and that project, of course, that Olivia Wilde is talking about is Spider-Woman. Now, it has been heavily rumored ever since the Madam Web movie got announced that Spider-Woman would ultimately be the movie to also be announced. As, if anything, this that would be a project that fans were expecting first. But with these new rumors and to see her response here, obviously playing coy and acting like she doesn't know anything when she truly does know, obviously, all the details. Just can't officially reveal any of that stuff yet. D23. Now, D23 coming up in September, I could definitely see this news trickle out. If it is officially announced, I could definitely see it be announced here at that time. We will have to wait and see. We will have to wait and see. I do know that D23 is happening, I believe, sometime in September, uh, right around the corner. So if we do get official news, I do expect to see the full slate of phase six of uh i think the one reason why kevin feige pulled back a little bit and revealed a ton at san diego comic-con don't get me wrong but uh, i think he pulled back a little because he had to keep a little bit he definitely had to keep a little bit in the back pocket for uh, d23 and the uh, the huge announcements that are sure to come out well regarding the mcu and i think that this could definitely be one of those films for sure spider woman definitely curious to know your thoughts Definitely curious to see what happens. Do you think Olivia Wilde is a perfect pick for a new director to enter the MCU? I certainly do. If you were a fan of Booksmart and you're looking forward to Don't Worry Darling, then I definitely think you're in agreement with me that the MCU has found one of their great new filmmakers to bring aboard the MCU train. Now, topic number seven today, and sticking with some Olivia Wilde news, she recently addressed why she had fired actor Shia LaBeouf. Now, before we get into the article about this news, I wanted to start by just giving some pre-background details regarding this situation. So, actor Shia LaBeouf was originally cast in Olivia Wilde's upcoming film, Don't Worry Darling. Now, after her directorial debut with Booksmart, with fans and critics raving over that film. A lot of individuals have been really looking forward to seeing what she does next. And with her next movie, Don't Worry Darling, the previews alone have you drawn right in. If you haven't seen the trailer for Don't Worry Darling, definitely be sure to watch that as soon as you can. It looks incredible. It's going to be out in just a few weeks, about two weeks at this point. 
early September it's coming out. Definitely one of my most anticipated films for the rest of the year. Now with that said, before production began, it was announced that Shia LaBeouf was no longer attached to the film and it was due to a scheduling conflict. That's what all the reports were stating. That's the news that cycled through and that was the reason that was given to everyone. Now, the director, Olivia Wilde herself, has come clean about the situation and detailed all of the information from her perspective in, and it's detailed in a recent article from Joe Blow. And this is what she said, and I quote, I say this as someone who is such an admirer of his work. His process was not conducive to the ethos that I demand in my productions. He has a process that in some ways seems to require a combative energy and I don't personally believe that is conducive to the best performances. I believe that creating a safe, trusting environment is the best way to get people to do their best work. Ultimately, my responsibility is to the production and to the cast to protect them. That was my job. A lot came to light after this happened that really troubled me in terms of his behavior. I find myself just really wishing him health and evolution because I believe in restorative justice. But for our film, what we really needed was an energy that was incredibly supportive. Particularly with a movie like this, I knew that I was going to be asking Florence to be in very vulnerable situations and my priority was making her feel safe and making her feel supported." End quote. Now, that was what Olivia Wilde had stated a few days ago. Now, after this report was published, Shia LaBeouf then came out and denied that he was fired from Don't Worry Darling by Olivia Wilde. He fully just came out and said, this is not true, this is not what happened. And instead of being fired, he informed Variety that he chose to drop out of the project due to a lack of rehearsal time. He even went as far as to provide Variety with text messages, emails, and also a video response that he received directly from Olivia Wilde while she was driving. All of this information, these communications, ultimately are to back up his version of the story of what really happened and in addition to the emails that he had sent he included one that he wrote the day after reading the article in his email to olivia he wrote firing me never took place olivia and while i fully understand the attractiveness of pushing that story because of the current social landscape the social currency that brings it is not the truth End quote. Wow. Wow, wow, wow. Now, look. I will. Well, I gotta start by saying this, and we have to acknowledge that we do not know the full story about what's going on here. This is just one person's account and another person's rebuttal to the account. Although they are providing text messages, video responses, email, all that, it's still a version of this person said this, or this person said that. None of these text messages or emails or the video response have been made public. These were just communications that were sent of, um, allegedly between Shia LaBeouf and Olivia Wilde 
while he was in the process of leaving or being fired. And he sent all this information to Variety, uh, letting them know what actually happened. Oh man, this is just, <laughs> this is just so interesting. Um, to be honest, it's just awkward. It's very awkward. And I, on if, if it did all go down from Shia's account, did go down that way with him leaving due to a lack of rehearsal time, him not actually being fired for Olivia Wilde to come out and, and say these, I just don't understand what, in what way she benefits from this. Um, especially if she is lying and it, and it comes out to, to, and it comes out that she is lying, then why, why say these things? And ultimately, you know, it's a shame because the movie itself, Don't Worry Darling, looks incredible. And I've been raving about it for months and months and months. Ever since seeing the first trailer for the film, I, I was immediately hooked. Could not wait to see this. And it's just unfortunate because I can't help but think that this is going to unfortunately, in one way or the other, affect the film and the way it does. Especially if this is what truly occurred, but I hope honestly, I hope this really just blows over and that all's uh, all can just be resolved, and uh, that the movie can just succeed on its own and uh, stand alone. I always hope the art can can stand alone from any sort of uh, drama outside of it, but sometimes the art cannot escape the uh, the landscape that uh, surrounds it. So we will uh, we will have to wait and see how how this all turns out, but. What are your thoughts? This is very, this is very interesting and a very awkward situation. But uh, we will see what happens. I'll be sure to keep you updated on any sort of new news uh, and additional information that comes out regarding this. Hey guys, just want to take a minute to give a major shout out and say thank you to the sponsor of this week's episode of the BMU's Reviews podcast, Marla Jean Boutique. If you are seeking a gift either for yourself or a loved one who finds value in handmade items, then look no further than Marla Jean Boutique. She has a collection of trendy handmade items including clothing, wine bags, jewelry, and much, much more. Use the promo code BMUSEREVIEWS10 at checkout to receive 10% off your entire purchase. Connect with Marla Jean Boutique on Instagram, Facebook, and TikTok at Marla Jean Boutique, and be sure to visit their website at www.marlajeanboutique.com. And once again, be sure to use the promo code Reviews 10 at checkout to receive 10% off your entire purchase. And now, back to the podcast. All right, and topic number eight today. Hogwarts Legacy has officially been delayed yet again, this time until February 2023. This news comes from us from Game Informer, Developer Avalanche and publisher Warner Brothers Interactive have delayed Hogwarts Legacy to next year. More specifically, Hogwarts Legacy was originally due out sometime this year, will now hit PlayStation 5, Xbox Series X and S, PlayStation 4, Xbox One, and PC on February 10th, 2023. The game will make its way to Switch also, but today's announcement also came with the news that the Switch version will launch at a later date. Alright, well, that is definitely unfortunate. The game was definitely supposed to be out already, um, but they're obviously taking their time because they want to put out the best product possible, and I am never sad about that. I am all for waiting. I am I have no problem, I 
initiating the patients, you know, keeping patient and waiting for uh, the better product to come out. I ultimately would want that. People are very impatient nowadays and they don't feel like waiting, ultimately knowing that they're going to get a better product in the end, and that is fine. You don't need the game now. You can wait till it comes out, and honestly, when it does come out, you'll get a better product, so all will happy in the end. So I myself will likely look to get this game. I will most likely get this game, to be honest. I haven't been able to play as many games in the past few years that I would like. Always good to go back and play some retro games like we do for the channel, so. We'll definitely look to uh, get this game, and uh, we'll definitely be sure to play it on the channel when it does come out. You'll be the first to see it. So, looking forward to seeing this game when it does come out. What are your thoughts on the game? Are you looking forward to getting the game when it does come out? Is this the first time you've heard about the Hogwarts Legacy game that's currently uh, underway and under works? What are your thoughts? Let us know. Alright, and topic number 9 today. The Rise of Zazlav. The Rise of Zazlav. The age of Zaslav is upon us. Now, David Zaslav, the current CEO of Warner Brothers Discovery, took over as CEO of the company after the $43 billion merger between Warner Media and Discovery Inc. in May of 2021. Already instituting a ton of changes, some are loved, some are not loved. Zaslav and his company also currently face a ton of financial challenges. Now, on top of all that, Zaslav is also tasked with taking streaming to the next level, making sure that HBO Max and all streaming platforms under the branch of Warner Brothers Discovery is ultimately to be just as successful and profitable, if not more profitable and more successful than cable TV in its prime. And how do you do that? Well, ultimately, you come out swinging, and that's what David Zaslav has done since taking over as CEO. And once his merger took over, people really weren't sure what to expect. Definitely can expect him to make some tough decisions. Ultimately, all great companies have great leaders, and great leaders, in order to be great and to have a great company, because of your leadership, you have to make tough decisions. You have to know when to make these tough decisions. You have to know, you have to be able to dif differentiate what's a tough decision, what's an easier decision, who can, who you can relegate your other decisions, your lower level decisions, your less important decisions, who can you relegate those to, and ultimately the things that, and for all the challenges and obstacles that do come across your desk, how are you going to approach them? What are you going to initiate? How are you going to utilize the team around you? And how are you going to communicate that message so it's, so it's crystal clear why you're doing what you're doing and how it ultimately affects you, the greater team, and the greater company. I think David Zaslav has done a great job of that so far. He's made very tough decisions, and one of them being our next topic that we're going to talk about, the Batgirl movie has officially been shelved. If you haven't already heard about this, yes, the Batgirl movie, the Batgirl movie that we talked about many times on this podcast before, uh, with starring Leslie Grace as Batgirl, Brendan Fraser as the villain Firefly, and also seeing the return of Michael Keaton as Batman, the Cape Crusader, the original Cape Crusader, Bat Michael Keaton, returning for this role, returning for the role in the Batgirl movie, an official victim that has fallen to the mighty Zaslav. Now, 
the reason behind this was ultimately because of a screening that took place for the movie and apparently it was just bad enough for Warner Bros. Discovery to pull the plug on the project entirely. They were, I think, very deep into post-production, if not very close to completing the film entirely, and they just completely pulled the plug on it. Uh, one of the filmmakers actually recently stated that he attempted to recover the footage of all the files for the film so they could try and salvage and potentially rework some of the material. However, when they went to do so, they noticed that all of the files were completely gone. Everything had been erased. Everything had been erased. Now, my imagination, just like, I, I honestly, for my own sanity, I just said, okay, well, that must have been so bad that I must have never seen the light of day. That could be the case. And that is what I'm telling myself. Because otherwise, I'm just going to want to see this film that I know we will likely never see. I feel extremely bad for everybody involved with this project. It's a shame to hear that this film will likely never see the light of day. Crazier things have happened, though. We saw the Snyder Cut eventually. So because of that, I will never say never. But with this film, it's definitely unfortunate to see and to hear this news. But again, all great leadership has to make these tough decisions. And you got to know when to ultimately uh, to make them. And in continuation of the tough decisions, our next topic today, topic number 11, Batman the Cape Crusader animated series is now no longer moving forward at HBO Max. The mighty rule of Zazlab continues throughout this podcast and recently planned animated series Batman the Cape Crusader, which is similar in concept to Marvel's X-Men 97, which is actually set to release pretty soon. This show specifically was set to, I believe, see the cast and crew from the original Batman the Animated Series in the 90s. Absolutely love Batman the Animated Series and as well as Batman Beyond. Grew up watching both of those shows. Um, so to hear that this animated series was in the works, could not have been more excited for any animated series that was currently in production. Now this news actually comes to us from MSN. According to TV Line, the series is being shopped around and is scrapped as of now at HBO Max. And it is a sad day for fans of The Dark Knight. The series was meant to take a reimagined look back into the world of the character from Batman the Animated Series artist Bruce Timm. And it's being reported that this is one of six projects from HBO and Cartoon Network to be canned but they'll still be working on them as they're shopped around to other platforms. J.J. Abrams, Matt Reeves, and Ed Brubaker were serving as the executive producers on the series, and having Reeves there, who directed The Batman, gave us such hope for the animated series. It's another disappointing loss in the HBO Max reshuffling, and another loss specifically to the fans of Batman. HBO Max has also seemingly been taking shows off the platform and everything happening with Warner Brothers Discovery merger is frightening and upsetting in a lot of ways for fans. There was so much to look forward to, and now it is a constant question over what is still being worked on and what instead is done at the network entirely. Wow. Alright. As you can see, the mighty rule of Zaslav continues. 
and because of the decisions and the tough decisions being made, where the money goes, where the money is being spent, uh, which projects to fund, how much effort and emphasis is going to be put into certain projects and which ones continue ultimately. I do really expect that this show gets picked up somewhere. I can really not imagine this show being made and not being picked up by someone. Warner Brothers Discovery is not the ones that want to have this on HBO Max. Okay. I can almost bet that three or four other platforms would be jumping at the opportunity to have this on their platform. Um, although the series is no longer moving forward at HBO Max, like I said, the, the silver lining in this news is that the series is actually still being completed and it will be shopped around. So our next hope, uh, we'll just have to hang on the hope that uh, it actually is picked up somewhere. And when it is, if it is, you will be the first to know. We will be sure to talk about it. But with this news coming out, uh, what are your thoughts? Are, are you upset by this news? How are you feeling about the rise of Zazlav? How do you feel? Are you a Zazlav fan? Are you not a, Are you not in tune? Are you not a fan? Are you not in favor of the mighty rule of Zazlav and what he brings to the table? Let us know your thoughts. All right. And topic number 12 today. HBO Max to dump underperforming content. This comes to us from Variety. HBO Max will remove 36 titles from its service as early as this week, Variety has confirmed. A spokesperson from HBO Max attributed the decision to the pending merge of the platform with Discovery Plus, which is also owned by Warner Brothers Discovery. As we work toward bringing our content catalogs together under one platform, we will be making changes to the content offering available on both HBO Max and Discovery Plus. HBO Max's statement that will include the removal of some content from both platforms. Taking off the titles from streaming would also help Warner Brothers Discovery cut costs by removing lesser watched programs to save money on residuals. An exact date or time when the titles will be taken off has not been announced. All right. Well, again, just as we said, we are not sure what HBO Max is going to turn into. We do know ultimately that the two streaming services will merge into one. We talked about that a few months back here on the podcast, and it looks like they're actually making strides to make that happen a lot sooner than we may have anticipated. Now, obviously, there's no official announced date for when these titles will be removed off the HBO platform specifically. We also are not sure when the two platforms, HBO Max and Discovery Plus, will merge together. I still can't even fathom them merging together. The content is so different. It's just one is all real life, and it, it's one's fiction, one's nonfiction. So... It's going to be very diverse in the content, that's for sure. But even if you go on Discovery Plus now, I mean, it's unreal the amount of content that is on there. So, if anything, they should maybe be the ones looking to uh, dump under for her in content as well. I'm sure they're looking to do that in some way. Yeah, just really interesting. Really, really interesting. Again, no exact date or time 
has been revealed when these when these titles will be taken off HBO Max, but when they are, you'll be the first to know, and we'll be sure to talk about it here on the podcast. In the meantime, how are you liking HBO Max? Do you have HBO Max? Are you looking forward to seeing when the HBO Max and Discovery Plus merge together? Do you have Discovery Plus currently? Do you agree with the amount of overwhelming content? Do you agree with the overwhelming amount of content that is on that platform specifically? It's just tough. The overwhelming, the overwhelming amount of content that, that that's out there on all streaming platforms, across the, all streaming platforms, is just ridiculous at this point. Never a bad thing. It's hard to keep up with. Definitely hard to keep up with, for sure. All right, and topic number thirteen today: Aquaman two and Shazam two have been delayed again. Yep, you heard that right. This comes to us from MSN. Warner Brothers announced a slew of release date changes on Wednesday, pushing the Aquaman follow-up from March 17, 2023 to December 25, 2023. The Shazam sequel will open on the date previously occupied by Jason Momoa's Hulking King of Atlantis. The story about Zachary Levi's Billy Batson was originally set for December 21, 2022. On its new date, Aquaman and the Lost Kingdom will debut a few days after Star Wars spinoff Rogue Squadron that will come out on December 23rd, 2023. Meanwhile, Shazam! Fury of the Gods, which was initially set to face off against James Cameron's Avatar The Way of Water, has now free reign over its new opening weekend. Plus, a March release date worked well for Robert Pattinson's Cape Crusader The Batman which earned over $770 million globally, another DC Comics film. As part of the calendar shuffle, an untitled WB event film has landed on February 10th, 2023. Evil Dead Rise has been scheduled for April 4th, 2023, and the Conjuring spinoff sequel, The Nun 2, will be released on September 8th, 2023. And... Salem's Lot, which was slated for April 21st, 2023, is being moved to a to-be-announced date in the same year. Evil Dead Rise is the fifth chapter in the horror franchise, as well as the LeBron James-produced remake House Party, which is scheduled for December 9th, 2022. We are expected Evil Dead Rise, the fifth chapter in the horror franchise, as well as the LeBron James-produced remake House Party, which is scheduled for December 9th, 2022, were expected to debut on HBO Max, but both films will now play exclusively in theaters. Well, this is insane news, because just when we thought we were going to be able to have a solidified DC calendar period moving forward after they just announced the new slew of dates, they announced another new slew of dates, so I would not be shocked if they announced more dates, but... I'm hoping they stick to this plan because I think they know what they're doing with this specifically. And Aquaman 1, the first Aquaman film coming out around the same time during Christmas and December and making, I think, close to a billion dollars, if not over a billion dollars worldwide. And now following the same path with the second film, I think it's going to work for them. And I understand why they did it. it sucks to see the ju- constant jump around with the films. But uh, what can you do? Still, I don't have any idea when The Flash is coming out. If The Flash is coming out, we will see. The Flash movie has to come out at some point. 
rumors are that the screen tests have taken place for the film and it tested higher i think it tested higher than any film that's come out by dc since the dark knight trilogy and that is saying a lot that is saying a lot they must dive deep into the dc flashpoint lore uh, i am very excited to see the film we don't have any idea when it's going to come out but with all these new shuffling dates with the current dc landscape i think that we'll get an announcement some point in the near future could be february 10th could be that untitled wb event film who knows they might rename the flash who knows we have no idea what they're doing but we will know soon enough when official confirmation is given and you'll be the first to know and we'll be sure to talk about it here on the podcast as always all right and topic number 14 today recently got a chance to see bullet train in theaters now this will be a non-spoiler review just a quick recap of the film and my thoughts the synopsis of the film is that five assassins aboard a fast-moving bullet train find out that their mission have something in common and basically that's all you need to know the trailer alone if you've seen the trailer you know that this is in a wild ride the way that the trailer is shot and the movie is the exact same way which i was hoping for and it did not disappoint this movie is exhilarating it's enticing it's unique above anything else and it really plays in a way like a live action anime and it's really well done the cinematography is incredible uh this movie ultimately stars brad pitt joey king aaron taylor johnson brian tyree henry michael shannon sandra bullock and much more this movie is currently in theaters and it's definitely bmu's reviews approved this movie brings a bullet train of tropicana (laughs) it's incredible the movie you can't go wrong before this movie is out of theaters i highly recommend going to see it bring a friend bring your family bring a whole group go see this film you will not be disappointed it is a fun time you will have a great time and brad pitt is just fantastic in this role i love brad pitt in these types of roles he was great in the film and Aaron Taylor Johnson, too, made me even more excited to see Craven the Hunter when that does come out. I know we talked about that a little earlier in the podcast. Aaron Taylor Johnson is incredible in this movie. Brian Tyree Henry is incredible in this movie. Seeing Michael Shannon in this movie is awesome. And I know also that Sandra Bullock and Brad Pitt working together on this film, that's ultimately what led Sandra Bullock propelling Brad Pitt to come aboard and film his scenes for The Lost City, which is a movie that uh, we, we reviewed her earlier on the podcast a few months ago. Definitely recommend seeing The Lost City if you can. Uh, it's incredibly funny, incredibly fun ride. And just as this is, it's an incredibly fun ride. The Bullet Train is now in theaters, but definitely want to know your thoughts. Have you seen Bullet Train yet? If not, definitely be sure to check it out in theaters. Like I said, if you did get a chance to see the movie, Definitely want to know what you thought about it. If you're watching on YouTube, be sure to comment below and let us know your thoughts. And as always, be sure to write to us and let us know what your thoughts are. Now our next topic today, topic number 15. Recently got a chance to finish the entire series of Peaky Blinders. Absolutely incredible show. This will be a fully non-spoiler recap and review of the series. 
If you're not familiar with the series specifically, the synopsis of the show is that it's a gangster family epic that is set in the 1900s, the early 1900s in England, and it centers a gang who sew razor blades into the peaks of their caps, and their fierce boss, Tommy Shelby, is the one who leads them all. This show is incredible. This show is incredible. And it's actually one that I started years ago. I remember watching the first season, starting the first season and never finishing it. And I have no idea why. I loved the show. I loved when I started it. I think I just got distracted. I started other shows and watched movies. And honestly, just I didn't go back to it for whatever reason. But it was always on my radar. And it was something I always wanted to do. And I believe during the pandemic, I returned to the show and I finished it all the way out. It's exactly what I did. And season two was even better. And season three was even better. And it just got, the show kept getting better and better. And then season four came by. And, you know, now with the final season, uh, the sixth season now being added to Netflix, seeing the entire show, loving every second of it, I still have to say that this fourth season of this show is without a doubt one of my favorite one of my favorite seasons of any series any television show anything that has come out within the last decade if not more like it's incredible season four of Peaky Blinders I would put up against anything wholeheartedly I mean I still I still go back and watch some episodes. It's just incredible. The drama, the performances, ultimately the arc of the show and the characters are incredible as well. The drama is just so intense. And it's the cinematography is incredible. The soundtrack, you cannot go wrong with the Peaky Blinders soundtrack. Yeah, everyone who works on this sh- series, from the creators to the actors writers everyone all cast and crew i mean this show is just incredibly well done and one that is not only bmu's reviews approved but highly recommended for you to start if you have not seen peaky blinders already definitely do not wait and don't miss your chance to see an incredible incredible series now on netflix be sure to check it out the story is also set to conclude with a film which a lot of people don't know. I believe we mentioned it here on the podcast before. Can't specifically remember. But uh, yeah, the story is actually set to conclude with a film. So, and I know that the, the film is actually in pre-production now. It's set to begin production when Oppenheimer fully wraps its filming and it's fully done. And the film is set to be released sometime in 2024. So the full conclusion of the story will occur with the film which is actually not something they do too often when they have entire series and then they have a film to to wrap up the story so that'll be actually a really interesting take and interesting approach i'm really looking forward to seeing more of the piggy blinders and seeing what uh what could be brought through with this with the movie especially with everything in the show don't want to say anything but uh other than definitely watch the show you will not be disappointed and wanted to know your thoughts as always. Are you a big Peaky Blinders fan? Have you seen this series in its entirety? Did you know that there was a film coming out about this series that's going to wrap up the whole story of everything that's gone on 
thus far. What are your thoughts? As always, be sure to visit the links in our description and write to us and let us know your thoughts. If you're watching on YouTube, comment below and let us know exactly what your thoughts are about the upcoming Peaky Blinders film and the series so far, if you've seen it. All right, and topic number 16 today, introducing a new topic today and one that we'll see occasionally here on the podcast, retro reviews. Now, retro reviews could pertain to whether it be video games, old albums, or also movies specifically. And this week, we're looking at two movies this week for retro reviews. And the first one being A Clockwork Orange from 1971. Now, the synopsis for this film is that in the future, a sadistic gang leader is imprisoned and volunteers for a conduct aversion experiment, but it doesn't go as planned. This film is directed by Stanley Kubrick and stars Malcolm McDowell, Patrick McGee, Michael Bates, Warren Clark, and Adrian Corey. This is a movie that I absolutely love. Really like Stanley Kubrick's directorial perspective, just the way he presented and shot films. His, his artistic approach, his creative approach, his mindset. And I watched this film every few years, and it is the pure epitome of a cult classic film. It's the pure epitome of what a cult classic is. And I say that because you, if you've never seen the film, you know nothing about it, you're either going to watch this film walk away from it probably in the middle of it or the beginning of it even or at the end of it and you'll absolutely hate it not know what's going on and never want to see it again or you will love the film not only because you're intrigued and interested and want to know more you're gonna to have to see it more times than one you definitely will not understand everything the first time seeing it through it's definitely a movie that you have to watch more than once but each time you watch it you definitely you know, if you're like me, you'll have a deeper appreciation for the film. You'll have a deeper appreciation for not only the film, but also the the story ultimately and what it's saying. Every bit of dialogue, every little symbol that's shown, all the sequences involved in the film. What what's the purpose of every single moment of the film, and what, what's it ultimately trying to tell me? What's what the what's the message it's trying to convey to the audience? And how does it all come together into one cohesive message? I think that's the the driving force behind seeing the film so many times is trying to put the puzzle pieces together. It's a fun challenge and something that I enjoy doing while well watching the film the first few times. And uh, the book too. Uh, in college, I was actually going to take a stab at uh, reading the book, Hogwarts Orange, in its entirety, but I actually did not take the chance i did not take the chance but i need to do that very soon that's something i have not done yet i know it's definitely a difficult task it's not the easiest read definitely not an easy read but definitely one that i need to accomplish uh, sometime in the near future for sure but with that being said clockwork orange is just an absolute classic not just the cult classic but it's it's a classic film and it's a classic story about society at large and there's been many depictions of what that means and what that entails and how it can go for not only the individual at the center of the film but for society at large in general and i think it does a brilliant brilliant way of 
transferring its message on screen to its audience through the medium of a book as well as through the film. And it's just incredible. It's an absolute classic. And Stanley Kubrick, if you've seen The Shining, you know, uh, does not pull any punches when it comes to uh, his style and his approach to filmmaking. And this film is no exception to that. It's an absolute classic film. Be warned, it is deeply disturbing. Um, there are many elements that will uh, make you wonder, why am I watching this film? And trust me, I myself had those thoughts while watching the film for the first time, as do many others, if not everyone. So you are not alone in that. But definitely curious to know your thoughts. Is A Clockwork Orange a film that you love? Have you ever read the book? Uh, what are your thoughts on both? Is this a film that you've never seen? It is currently available on HBO Max, I do believe. So you can stream it there to be able to view the film. And definitely wondering what your thoughts are. If you haven't seen the film yet, be sure to uh, check it out if you wish and let us know your thoughts. Be sure to write to us and let us know as always. And if you're watching on YouTube, be sure to comment below. All right, and topic number 17 today. Now for our other retro review, we're gonna be looking at the 1990 film the Freshman. Now, the synopsis for this film is that an NYC film student accepts a job offer with a local mobster who resembles a famous cinema godfather and who takes the young man under his wing after demanding total loyalty. I knew nothing about this film. I knew absolutely nothing but about this film. The only thing I knew about this film was from looking at the uh, the poster for it uh, before watching it and it stars matthew broderick and marlon brando it also stars penelope ann miller bruno kirby and bd wong and much more i knew nothing about this film prior to watching it and i had a ball while watching it the dark dry humor not so much dark but more dry humor i would say it is <laughs> this movie killed me at a lot of times it's definitely worth watching at least once i would say a funny concept and I myself got a kick out of what they were doing with the film. I don't want to go into spoilers and let you know uh, everything about the movie, but from what the synopsis, it pretty much tells you what you can uh, be on the lookout for and anticipate seeing. The Freshman watched it on HBO Max, so it should still be available on there. Definitely wanted to check out. Funny movie from 1990, and I think one that goes below the radar because I literally never heard of this film, never knew it existed, but definitely worth watching at least once. Definitely a good laugh with friends and family. And that just about wraps up this installment of the BMU's Reviews podcast. I'm your host, Brandon Musica. Be sure to follow us on Instagram, TikTok, and Twitter at BMU's Reviews. And be sure to listen every week on Spotify, Anchor, Google Podcasts, and all other streaming platforms. If you're watching on YouTube, be sure to like, leave a comment, subscribe, and hit the bell icon to receive notifications that inform you exactly when our podcast and all other videos are out. And as mentioned, be sure to visit our website, www.musicaprojects.com. There you'll find all the links to our social pages, links to our latest podcast episodes, and also be able to read our latest blog posts as well. We'll be back next Friday with a new episode of the Muse Reviews podcast, so stay tuned for more. And as always, in case I don't see you, good afternoon, good evening, and good night.